I'm going to take us to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. But first, I have a question for you to think about. What verses or statements in the Bible will you always remember and be able to quote? I do not have the ability to read minds, but I think I know at least one verse all of us remember, and we are able to quote at least part of it, John 3.16. As it appears in the King James Version, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I think it is good that verse has been quoted so often, and that most of us remember it. It certainly states the truth, like every verse before and after it. The truth from Jesus about how God's love and our response to that love should occur. John 3.16 is a good verse to memorize, but even greater a good verse to apply to your life. But what's it about? I mean, what was Jesus talking about when he spoke these words? What was happening? What is the context? The ability to memorize a verse and quote a verse is a good thing, but there is always this question we need to respond to. What does the verse mean? What is the passage about? What is stated in the context that informs our understanding of that verse? So if we're going to quote John 3.16 and tell people about this verse, we need to know the context. We need to know the story behind John 3.16. I want you to listen carefully. I'm going to read from John chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 1 and read over through verse 21, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you 
heavenly things. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. That's John chapter 3, not just verse 16, but the surrounding verses. John 3, 1 through 21. I want to call to our attention that John 3.16 has a context, is informed by other passages, places emphasis on God's love, and calls for a personal response. I want to cover those four things with you during this recording. First, the context. The story in this part of Scripture begins with this man, Nicodemus, a man of the Pharisees and a ruler of the Jews. That's a good place to start. Nicodemus was a Jewish religious community leader or ruler, and he was one of a powerful network of men called the Pharisees who had emerged in the Jewish culture as dominant in forming and advancing religious thought and practice. Now, they quoted the Old Testament, and they honored Moses with their words, but they had their own agenda. And Jesus said of these men in Matthew 23, they were hypocrites. As a group, the Pharisees were not men who endorsed Jesus Christ. To the contrary, they opposed him. They were vocal and influential and certainly took part in taking Jesus to his death. But here is a man who places truth above religious party. He knows there is risk, but he cannot silence conscience. He knows what he has seen of Jesus and considers it as evidence that he cannot ignore. He speaks to Jesus apparently for himself and perhaps others of like mind when he said, we know that you are a teacher come from God. What led to that belief. He said, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus is not just another man, another teacher who comes along. Nicodemus came in contact with that truth. Jesus does things that cannot be explained in any other way. He is from God. God is with him. These are the convictions that Nicodemus brought to this conversation. 
The next thing in the narrative is in verse 3, Jesus setting forth a condition. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, you can't just say you believe and just waltz into the kingdom and go to heaven. In addition to your confession of belief, there is something to be done. Nicodemus wants to know more. Let me stop here and make this point. People who consider the evidence and genuinely believe in Jesus Christ always want to know what to do. They want to know more. People with good and honest hearts want to know so they can do. If they have questions, they seek answers. Nicodemus doesn't understand this statement of Jesus about being born again, so he inquires. And Jesus responds with clarity. Jesus explained, I'm not talking about another physical birth. No, I'm talking about being born of water and the Spirit into God's family in order to enter into my kingdom. Remember now, this is all background for John 3.16. This is the important work of contextual Bible study. Jesus explains further in response to Nicodemus that this birth into the kingdom, and synonymous with that, the family of God, the kingdom here and the family of God, the same group, this birth into the kingdom is not like anything he has seen before that is a natural or commonplace uh, birth experience. Then in verse 11, Jesus says, if I may accommodate a phrase, I know what I'm talking about, even though the Pharisees do not receive it. The text is indicating to us Nicodemus is struggling to take all this in, yet he wants to know what belief in Jesus demands of him. Here's where we are. Nicodemus is a man motivated by honest inquiry. He wants to know more about Jesus and what he needs to do. Jesus tells him he needs to do something, be born again, a birth into the kingdom. Then to illustrate the importance of understanding and following directions from heaven, Jesus told Nicodemus the story of the Israelites back in the time of Moses, believing and following directions to be saved from peril. So we have just covered the context of John 3.16. It has to do with the interest of this man, Nicodemus and Jesus' instruction to him to make certain he knew, you must not just believe, you must be born again into the kingdom. Next, I want to show how other passages of Scripture inform our understanding of John 3 and of John 3.16. Consider the matter of being born again. What is that about? Let's stop here for a moment and take a little trip out of John 3 to learn something that is relevant to John 3. We're going to go to the book of Acts. So what does this mean to be born again, to be born of water and the Spirit? Here's where I need to say to us, John 3.16 is not the only passage in the Bible about how to be saved. In fact, John chapter 3 is not the only chapter that speaks to how to respond to Jesus Christ to be saved. 
After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the Holy Spirit came to the apostles to fill them, to give them what they would reveal. In John chapters 13 through 14, Jesus promised the apostles the Holy Spirit would guide them into all the truth. That filling of the apostles with the Holy Spirit you can read about in Acts chapter 2, a pivotal event after the resurrection of Christ and his ascension back to heaven. Therefore, if I want to know more about what it means to be born of water in the Spirit, it will be good for me, good for you, to consult the book of Acts to see what the apostles said that is associated with what Jesus said, being born of water and the Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit guided these men that we read about in the book of Acts and in the epistles. What did they tell people to do? that pertain to water. Well, you have Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized. You have Acts chapter 8, the man from Ethiopia who came to believe in Christ. He was baptized in water. Saul was baptized, Acts 9.18. Cornelius, Acts 10. The jailer in Philippi, Acts 16. The Corinthians, Acts 18. The Ephesians, Acts 19. You see the pattern? What is this? The Holy Spirit is directing believers in Christ to be baptized. It was in that activity of faith they became Christians, entering the church, referred to in John 3 as the kingdom. I'm persuaded when Jesus speaks of being born of water in the Spirit, the book of Acts informs our understanding of that as being baptized. Penitent believers being baptized, becoming Christians, citizens of the kingdom. What Jesus described before he died and went back to heaven is informed by the teachings of his apostles, recorded by Luke in the book of Acts. Being born again is one's conversion from sin to righteousness and one's entrance into the spiritual kingdom that is the Lord's church. Now, concerning all this, believing in Christ, acting on that belief in baptism, the emphasis in John 3.16 is on the love of God that makes all this real, that brought it to pass. What is behind this generous offer where sinners can believe in Christ and act on that belief and in their repentance and baptism can enter the kingdom, enter God's family, the church. What's behind this amazing grace? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. See, when someone is born again, and by that activity of faith they are received into the kingdom, it is not that the convert has accomplished something so great and he's to be applauded. It is a valuable choice, highly valuable choice to obey the gospel, but the praise and the glory should be directed to God who loved us so much to make this possible. John is explaining this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. John is giving us this conversation between Jesus 
and Nicodemus. We can be saved from sin. We can enter the kingdom and we can have eternal life, not because we are so great or learned or powerful, but we can have all this because the love of God produced the gift of his son that we receive when we obey the gospel. John and Jesus want us to appreciate the cause of our salvation. God so loved the world, the world of sinners, sinners of the lowest degree, religious sinners, sinners who think they are not sinners, the prodigal, the rebellious, the, the selfish, the indifferent. Not one deserving of the benevolent consideration of Almighty God, yet the objects of his love and grace that we are able to respond to. That's the emphasis of John 3.16. The love of God as the cause of the plan of salvation. Then the intended effect is this verse invites a personal response. What do you do in the ordinary course of events when you're offered a gift? You know and respect the giver. It is something you need. The attraction is profound. As the gift is extended to you with gratitude, what do you do? You accept it. You receive it. You keep it. Use it. You never forget that you didn't deserve it, but someone cared enough about you to give it to you. In the book of Acts we talked about earlier, when those people heard the gospel and they made the choice to repent and be baptized, they were receiving God's gift of salvation that was produced by his love. The gospel story is this simple. God loved, God gave. We receive when we obey the gospel and live as disciples of Christ. Knowing well, we do not deserve and have not earned such consideration, but he loved us and invites us to be born again into his kingdom. Christ died to make that happen. So the point of the sermon is John 3.16 has a context. It is informed by other scripture, notably the book of Acts. The emphasis of the verse is God's love, but the verse speaks to all who read it, inviting a personal response to that love. What about you? Why not respond to God's love? Would you contact us if we can help you with that response? Thank you for listening.